0: As we, as we get ready today, just to get to talk to some of these students as they've come home from this week at camp. Uh, if, if you've never gotten to do something like that, uh, if you're in a business where you have to do staff off-sites, it's like that, but wonderful. Right? <laughs> it's amazing. And so our students get to go away, and they, the cell phones don't really work. Out there, we they pull them up, and they get to encounter uh, an environment that is a taste, a savor of what the word Sabbath is all about. You know, a a Sabbath. When God gave us the Sabbath, it wasn't just so that you and I wouldn't have sore backs and we would have a reason to rest. You know, back back in the day, if you know what a blue law is, the Sunday was where you the businesses were closed on Sunday. Was this blue law? You couldn't sell cars on Sunday and things like that. It wasn't just to give everybody a family day together. The Sabbath was created so that you and I would keep the taste of eternity on our lips so that we wouldn't stop wanting it. And so youth camp is like having five Sabbaths in a row for our students. It's just an overloading kind of taste of keeping eternity fresh and pulled away. And so we come back and we hear their stories and if you talk to their, their leaders you hear their stories because there's an edification encouragement. And so uh, if you get an opportunity, we we sent about 50 some odd youth and students and uh, adults to camp this week and um, get a chance. Pull them aside. If you think I don't know anybody's name, well, you know, Pastor David, if you don't know anybody, just go, hey, Pastor David, tell me something amazing about this this past week and their stories will fill you up. We're starting a new um, part of God's Word in Romans is where we are today. Romans chapter 1. If you're reading along in our plan with us, really excited about this. If you're reading along, oh, thank you. People are getting glared. I appreciate it. As we do that, we're in Romans. If you haven't been reading through God's Word with us through this New Testament challenge, now is a great time to pick it up. Jump in in Romans. We'll we'll hit Romans 1 for you today, so you can just start in Romans 2. Give you permission. You just kind of get on with us. It's it's, it's life-changing to hear and to see and to experience God's Word. And and that's what we're talking about today. That's why our, our memory verse for the month has just been that reminder that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The Bible says this life I live, I live by faith. ...in the Son of God. Not in myself. Not in what I have the ability to do... ...or in my, my, my guilt of what I'm not able to do... ...but I live by faith in the Son of God... ...who, who gave himself for me. Church, that, that's this foundation of faith... ...that God has given us. And in Romans, we're going to walk into this... ...idea of faith and community. You see, Paul had never met... This group of people that he was writing this letter to. He had only heard about them. He would only heard about them. I I remember as a child hearing a story like this. There was a man named Jim Elliott. He was just a man. He was in fact a young man. And, And God gave him a heart for an unreached people group. Central America. And as he went down, he moved his wife and his family in. And, and they had a little plane and they would fly it over this group. And this group was known for killing outsiders. And, and this man, this young man, he, he, as he felt like he built a rapport, they decided to go make contact because this people. This group of people, without the gospel of Jesus Christ, was going to enter into a Christless eternity, which was hell. Separated forever from even the slightest grace of God that they were experiencing on earth. So he landed and he made contact. They even got to to build a relationship. But then one camp member started something Said something bad about him. And so the next time they landed, this tribe took his life and those with him who were there with him. And do you know what his wife did? She stayed and she reached to this people group. And her children grew up knowing and knowing and loving. And now there was a group of people who were going to hell for all eternity. Because the gospel was carried out through the bride of Christ, that now sing to Jesus next to the man they murdered. That's a testimony. Sometimes, sometimes I wonder if people have heard about our testimony. Or I wonder what they've heard about our testimony. Because Scripture shows us that the power of God through the gospel... ...brings a testimony that impacts the world. And so as we walk through the book of Romans Church... ...we have to decide individually and collectively... What God has called us to as the body of Christ. And today I want to dare you to listen. Because I don't want you to leave today without knowing where you stand. And what God calls for you and calls from you. Because we have a testimony And it will either be of the gospel of Jesus Christ or it will be of a Christless eternity. And God, Jesus, he is not confused. You know, we walk in and we come together and there's a lot of uncertainty in life and in our story. But Christ is not confused. He knows where you are. He, He knows better than you and I know. But he's he's calling you not to live a life where your testimony is suppressed, but he's calling you and I to live a life in the gospel where our testimony is at work, even if we're not there. Look in your Bible, Romans chapter 8, or verse chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. This is what Paul writes. First, Church, this morning we're going to be talking about what the gospel is and how the gospel moves. And we're also going to be talking about how the gospel is distorted and is no longer the gospel. But, but I want you to know God has created you and me to change the world. He has created you and I to bring a light into the deepest, darkest places. And that may look like a tribe in another part of the world. Or it may look like your neighbor next door. Or it may look like the person in the mirror or the children that you're you're raising. But God has not called you and I to be defeated. He's called us to radically change the world. He hasn't called our government to do it. I don't care who's in control. He hasn't hasn't called these goodwill things to do it. He's he's created his church. He's empowered his church to do it. And so you and I want, we need to recognize the gospel activity in our life. And here's the first thing I want you to know. The gospel, let me turn this to, to white so we can see it. The gospel is contagious. The gospel is contagious. You, you don't have to work for the gospel we have a, a barber in our church Fred's one of our deacons and and we laugh because every time I go into Fred's uh, barber shop we're talking about the gospel and and Fred still gives a, 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 a shave with a straight razor and warm cream it's wonderful and we we joke that right about here is when he said so if you died today where would you go we, we 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 laugh about like that's an impact it's, you're really honest right there. It's, it's, it's we we laugh about how open with the gospel it is. We don't have to work. It's not your job to convince anybody. You can try as hard as you want. There's nothing wrong with it, but you don't have to work for the gospel because the gospel in and of itself is contagious. Paul says to these people in Rome, I've never seen you. I don't know you, but I've Heard all about you, your faith, who Jesus Christ is and how he's moving in the center of a sinful place has made its way all over the world. Church, that's contagiousness. Paul says it's so contagious. I'm doing my best to get there. I'm doing my best to come to you. Because I want a little bit in person of what I've been smelling through the air. I want a little bit more. It's so contagious that I don't know any of your names, but I'm praying for you always in my prayer. Church, the gospel is contagious. If you and I look at our lives, you can see the effects of the gospel. By looking and saying, Lord, is your word contagious in my life? What does contagious look like? The church in China. Communist regime. The worst environment ever. What we we wouldn't even want to vote for. Missionaries were kicked out in the 50s, in the near 1980s. Two million people gave their life and were Christians. We knew they were Christians in 1980. Church except for the Communist Church, which doesn't exalt Jesus Christ or, 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 or any of those things we're talking about before, is outlawed. So it's now secret churches, underground churches. In 2017, we know that over 75 million people profess Jesus Christ at the risk of their own life in China. That's contagious. Sometimes I I think we vote for for comfort. And maybe we need to allow the Lord to discipline us so he can be contagious. So that we don't unintentionally suppress the gospel. Because when we're comfortable we may not be proclaiming it. So you and I need to make it known. Don't you want people talking about Jesus Christ through your story? Wouldn't it be good not for self-edification? But, but when you walk into somewhere, you say, hey, this happens to me. I say, I am, I'm David. If it gets there, so I'm Pastor at First Baptist. I love it because I'll hear, you know what? I was, I was in Sam Houston the other day in Huntsville. And I saw a church. I was lost. And there's on the back of a car was a pear with a cross. And I thought, surely they're from Pearland. So I'm going to follow them. And I did. And then we talked to them. And, and they told me, it's, it's the testimony's making its way through of joy and generosity and hope. And the gospel is going out. I'm loving it. If I could just sit and hear stories all day, I would. But I don't want to just listen. I want it to be proclaimed because I want it to be contagious. I want my wife to have it. I'm watching my daughter help lead worship. And, and I'm seeing that contagiousness. I see it in, in my son when he serves with children. It's contagious. It's it, it's contagious, and, and, and once we know these markers, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your mind. If I could just stay here all day, go a little bit further. The gospel is contagious. Verse 11 through 13. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you. But thus far has been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Here's what I want you to know. The gospel bears fruit. Now there's contagious is a sign of many things. We sent 53 students and leaders uh, to camp. We brought 41 home on the bus. The other 12... They got contagious. We, we had a stomach bug. Runs through some of our kids. Some contagious things aren't good. So how do I know if it's the gospel good or sin good? Well, does it bear fruit? Does, does the gospel bear fruit? Not only is it making its way, oozing its way out of you, but does it, is it producing something that's ediful and pleasing and joyful. Are you seeing God continue to move? The difference from the between the seed that fell along the hard soil. And the seed that fell in the good soil. The parable that Jesus says. Was what it bore. One was destroyed quickly by the sun. The other bore fruit. Fruit tells us if the gospel is moving. If you have surrendered and are living to the gospel. Paul says listen. I can't wait to get to you because I want to give you spiritual fruit. Because the gospel is used to feed one another in Christ. It's not just for someone who's lost in sin. The gospel is not just a one-time life event. It's an experience, a journey that you're brought into forever. And Paul says, I'm asking you, I'm calling you in. Because I want to share fruit with you and I want to get some back. Is that happening in your life I was reading about a, a little church that started a secret church again in China that, that someone carried the gospel in and stayed in, and it started oozing and this was several years ago and, and the, the beginning of that oozing they created a 24 hour prayer watch like we did in the church back in in June or in July in the beginning of July And several years later, that 24-hour prayer watch is still going. It's bearing fruit. It's obvious fruit. How do I know if it's the gospel at work in me? Because, listen... Fruit is born, it's not created, it's not man-made, it's God-given. The gospel is contagious because God's reputation is moving. The gospel is fruitful because God is bearing the fruit of what it's like to be in a relationship with Him. Church, this morning, have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good in your life and bearing fruit? That's how you'll know the gospel versus everything else. It's contagious. It bears fruit. But 14 through 16. This is the best part. I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jews first but also to the Greek. For it is The righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith. For it is is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I I want you to listen. The gospel is contagious. The gospel is fruitful. But the gospel is power. And it's not just man power. It's the power of God for salvation. Salvation. And salvation is not a one time event. When Jesus Christ saves you, He saves you then from everything you've ever done, from everything you're doing, and for every day moving forward. Your salvation is active and working in your life and has been given to you by the hand of the Almighty God, the Creator of all things. And it can never be removed, but you need to make sure that it's the gospel. And not a promise of man. You see, what Scripture tells us here is that this gospel, this power, should produce an eagerness in us. Listen, in here, anybody a father? Raise your, give me a little Baptist high five. Your father. Anybody a father in here? Okay, if you're a dad in here, do are, do any of you give advice to your children? Do they have to ask for your advice? In fact, sometimes they ask you not to give advice. Does that slow you down? No, it fires me up. Right? Because I know I see a train coming. Or I see something beautiful on the horizon. So my advice is press on. I know you want to quit. I know you think this is futile, but press on. Because over the ridge is a beauty you've never seen, a joy you've never known, a power you can't even understand yet. Press on. Or the opposite, slow down. You've gotten off track. I know you think you know what you're doing, but you don't. Why am I so ferociously concerned with my children and making sure that they hear what I'm saying Because I believe there's some form of power in my words. How much more power is there in the life and the words of our Creator than a fallen, broken Father? How much more eager should I be about making sure that everyone that I know sees and knows and hears and is engaged with the power of the gospel? Was reading about a church in uh, Hai Dien Church in China, and they were talking about how they shared the gospel. Again, at risk of jail and punishment and getting beaten, and they said they meet in a tiny room. On most Sabbath days, the line will be a hundred meters long to get into church. And they're willing to wait just to worship alongside brothers and sisters for a moment. And then they have to leave quickly so that others can worship too. That's the power of the gospel. They're saying last year, or 19, 2017, over 500 people a day were being baptized. That's the power of God. That's not meant to be a story It's meant to be our story. That the gospel is contagious and fruitful and powerful. Is that your experience? You Christian who's walked with Christ for 40 years. Or have you been laboring for the gospel in your strength? You see, the difference between laboring for the gospel... And allowing the gospel to labor in you would be the difference between a whitewater rafting experience and a canoe ride upstream. To go canoeing upstream, you're going to have to labor against the current. To go down the center of the river on a whitewater rafted, all you got to do is put the rudder in or the oars in and steer because God is doing all the work. The water is doing all the work. You're still active, you're still involved, you're still engaged. But the power of the river is moving you. Is the power of God for salvation driving you or is your comfort starting to work against you? When Paul writes this letter, he says, listen, this is what the gospel is. But I want you to know that there's a way that the gospel moves. Verse 17, look at it again with me. It says, for it is righteousness of God, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is how the gospel moves. It moves by living faith. The the Greek of the first word faith. And I, I don't know a ton about Greek. I get to look and study, but it's a genitive noun. In other words, it's the genesis. It's like it's the source. God says, here's how faith works. God shared it through, and he's gonna share it through, and he's gonna share it through. That's why Jesus told his disciples you go, go into the town. That's why the Great Commission, go ye therefore. The gospel is going to be carried from you to, you to you to you to you to you to them. How can they believe if they've never heard? How will they hear if no one speaks? Who will speak if no one goes? You see, the way that the gospel works is from person to person. This is why when we are out of community in our family, when we are hoping that the preacher or the student pastor or the worship leader or the life group leader is the mentor for our family, we are putting our family to the wolves six days a week and hoping that just a little bit of the gospel comes and makes back and makes itself relevant. No, the gospel goes to your wife every day through you husbands. Is that happening? The gospel goes from you to your friends, ladies, every day. Is that happening? It goes with you to work. It goes with you to school. It's going to look radical. It's going to look ridiculous. But when you're in the center of the river, you know there's no better place to be. Is that happening? Or did you think the gospel was a bomb that I dropped once? I've done my job now, let me walk away and go drop a gospel bomb somewhere else. Let me tell you, the gospel bombs we drop only work to show that the gospel is not powerful in our lives. Because we don't stay to be a part of the explosion. So you and I, when we share the gospel, are you sharing it from faith to faith to faith to faith? That's how it moves It says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Their edification as a believer, God put you there to edify them. Their, Their correction as a believer, God put you there to correct them in love and gentleness and joy. The person without Christ needs radical transformation. You may say, but God, I, I don't want to. Maybe you need to go back and hear the story. Go, go watch the movie. Go read. It's called End of the Spear. Go read the Jim Elliot story. A man who said, you're going to kill me and my wife is going to love you so much. She's coming after you. Are you living a faith to faith to faith gospel? That's the power of God. This is when his reputation is made known. And here's the deal. It says from faith to faith. And then it says in verse 17, and the the righteous shall live by faith. I'm just going to write the word right here because this is what you need to know. The word righteous means to be right with. And in this context, it's God. In other words, those who are right with God are living a gospel-fueled life, passing out on faith to faith to faith to faith. If you and I, this is going to hurt. If you and I aren't living the gospel from faith to faith to faith, then you are not right with God. If you are embarrassed, if you hold back, Then you're not righteously living by faith. Because the gospel is contagious and fruitful and powerful. Why would we not want that all the time? That's eternity. What's heaven going to be like? It's going to be contagious and fruitful and powerful. Because we will be standing face to face with the gospel. So scripture says, this is how the gospel moves from your faith to another's faith to another's faith. And the righteous will live this way. By faith, believing the power of God is going to drive me. There's nothing to be ashamed of or afraid of because the gospel is of God. It is the power of God. Church, your story and my story as a community should be ringing through the halls of our nation. We aren't called to ring anyone else's bell, so to speak. Not a, not a party in our government not the best institutions of this world we are called to to ring one note and one alone the gospel And, and I want you to know everything in this world will tell you not to do that the bible says this in verse 18 through 19 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. For who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth? You see, when we are unrighteous, we suppress the gospel, whether in a moment or in a lifetime. If you want to know what unrighteousness, the easiest definition of unrighteous acts, is suppressing the truth of God. You know, suppressed here doesn't mean destroys. It means to hold back or restrain. Isn't that interesting? That that one of the tactics that, that you and I will be tempted to follow a false gospel is to restrain the truth. To be ashamed of it, to talk with someone about, to be to be too concerned with the commitment it's going to take to walk with someone in a life of the gospel. So we restrain its power. God says when we restrain, when we hold back on the gospel, it's an act of unrighteousness. When we are concerned. For the outcome more than the gospel and we restrain. It's an act of unrighteousness. Church, we do not want to have to have the discipline of God and the oppression that he allows to happen in our life to force us back on track. So listen to his word. Don't be tempted to live a life outside of of God honoring faith by becoming unrighteousness and holding back and restraining the gospel or even lessening its intensity. The only way to lessen the intensity of the river is to move out of the current to the bank. If you're on a boat, that's it. You have to move move out of the power, move out of the force, You have to restrain. God's not calling you to restrain the gospel. He's not calling you to water it down. That's why he keeps going. The Bible says this in verse 20, all the way through 23. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as such or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. And birds and animals and creepy things, (laughs) creeping things. So there's another way off this path of the gospel, and it's called distortion. You see, it, one, way, one way to know you're not living the power of the gospel is that when you're holding back. But another way is when you're distorting it. This is what Paul says about the men who are going on. He's writing to the Romans, those who are living in, in Rome. And, and, and they're trying to make God fit their lifestyle. They're trying to make God work in to their plan, to what, what's comfortable for them. And although they know the truth, the Bible says they know God. Although they knew in verse twenty one, they didn't honor him or give thanks, but instead became futile. Honor and give thanks is homage. If you and I want to live in the power of the gospel, our life has to be in total submission to his word, even when it's uncomfortable, even when when it's not uh, it's, it's not but we've known our whole life, even when it means certain things about people that we love, you and I can't distort the gospel. Jesus meets you in salvation where you are and then the rest of your life you live listening, loving, in homage, honoring him. Taking his word over your own. Taking his right over your want. If, If you want to live in the gospel, in the power of salvation... You cannot bring other gods in. Just because you say, I love Jesus, doesn't mean you're worshiping the right God. Because there were people that knew God, verse 21, and although they knew him, They followed their own foolish thoughts, thinking they were wise, thinking they could reinterpret God. The the passage goes on, and it says God gave them over. He gave them up. God will not force you into eternity. He will allow you to have the fruit of sin and death. But this morning, I don't want you to be deceived. If you think you're living in faith and the power of the gospel is in your life, I want you to know it's his free gift that costs you everything. Because the power of the gospel calls us to honor the Lord so that we keep living faith by faith in righteousness. He will not compromise with you. How do we make sure the gospel is proclaimed and contagious? We simply walk in obedience to the Almighty and follow him wherever he leads us, no matter how we feel about the breaking away of sin. In this room, some of you have been walking with Jesus Christ in faith to faith to faith. And when you come here, it's encouragement and edification. I pray that will continue to be your song as we have our time of invitation. Some some of you, you know Jesus, you love Jesus. You've heard the stories and said, God, I want to be a part of that. But this morning, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you haven't because you have been restraining the gospel. And you've told yourself a million reasons why it's okay. And this morning, the Holy Spirit is saying, Let go and open the floodgates and see the joy before you. And some of you, you know God, but you've only taken a piece and you put Him with another piece, and you still call Him the same Jesus, and He is not. And today, if you do not let go of that false God you call Jesus and submit yourself to the authority of the Almighty, who is the power of God for salvation, you will have a Christless eternity if you leave this place today and something happens and God is calling you. Surrender to the proclamation, to the joy. Surrender yourself so that my power can work in you and you can live by faith to faith to faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, we love you so much. Lord, my heart hurts because I know know it's right over the horizon. And God, we are more passionate about ridiculousness than we are the gospel. Father, God, we want to be contagious. I want my kids to get it and keep it. I don't want them to get over it in a week. I want my wife to get it and keep it. I want my family to get it and keep it. Lord, I want the the people that I will interact with outside of these walls to get it and keep it. And Lord, I want Pearland to bear the fruit of eternity so rapidly. That your reputation at work is known from people who have never even been south of hobby. Ah, oh, we believe. Help us live faith to faith and righteousness. For God, those in this room who need to this moment to recognize and repent. Lord, would you call them and welcome them into your arms.